I'm a prairie boy born and raised, and so the ocean scares me. It's huge. Once flew over the Pacific, and that was just scary looking out the window of the plane because there was no end to the ocean when you were in the middle of the Pacific. What also scares me with the ocean is it hides a bunch of things underneath, and we know there's monsters under there. It's not like the monsters under the bed. We know there are monsters in the ocean. And then the power of the ocean, the power that it has that can come up at any point. I literally don't think I have ever gone into the ocean and let my feet not touch the ground. I went snorkeling one time at the Great Barrier Reef and just being on that boat when you couldn't see land anymore was an act of faith on my part because to me the ocean is scary. And so I treat it that way. Right? When I go, I go with friends who know the ocean and know where the riptides are that could pull you out and I'm careful in a different way than I would be going into the mountains, for example. That's kind of the way that we are called to approach death because death is infinite. Death is the doorway into the infinite. Death is a scary monster. And death is something that is unknown to us. Even as Christians, we don't propose to have all the answers to what lies beyond the grave. We have faith and hope that point us in the right direction, but we don't have all the answers. Otherwise, death would always be a piece of cake if we knew what was waiting on the other side. There's this holy reverence, this holy fear that we are called to have before death. And some of that is kind of getting lost. And it gets lost in two ways that people are trending when they face death. That's a moving away from the funeral. The first way is what everybody terms a celebration of life. And the second is an increasing number of people instructing their family not to have a funeral when they die. Both of those things are not approaching death with this holy fear. It's not approaching death with faith. Because a celebration of life, think of the last one that you went to, what does a celebration of life revolve around? It revolves around the memory of who this person was. It revolves around trying to bring up all of the good things about this person to basically solidify for us a memory of them in pictures and in words and in story. In a sense, at a funeral, we are doing a celebration of life, a celebration of eternal life, which is much less concrete. It's easier to do a celebration of life because it, it has limits, it's defined. We can talk about this person that we know, not look into the things that we don't. For those who say, don't have a funeral, just bury me in the ground and move on with your life, what tends to happen there is there's not an acknowledgement of the bond that we still have with the person who's died. We need something to walk through that unknown of what life is like without this person. And this is why as Catholics we have rites that walk us through 
how do I face life without this person? And then, without having the funeral, what do they often say? Well, I don't want you to cry when I die. Who's not going to cry? That's not a human thing. We cry because we face the reality of death. And a funeral helps us face the reality of death. And our Catholic tradition has this beautiful expression of how we walk through that. And even among practicing Catholics, the full expression is being lost. It starts with vigil prayers the night before. And that's the part that's being lost quite quickly. COVID's partly to blame, but it was being lost before that. Why do we have prayers the night before? Why do we get together one more time than just the funeral day? Prayers is the first time that we come together as a community to start mourning the loss of this person. And we do that with prayer. It's the first time that we are collectively facing this person's death. That we've all done it in different ways, but a lot of people weren't present at that person's death. Right? They heard about it through a friend, through a family member. But when we come for prayers, we collectively acknowledge the end of this life. And we begin to work through our grief that comes with that. And we do that with prayer. Then we come back the next day for the funeral mass. And at the funeral mass, all of our focus is towards our hope in the resurrection. Praying that this soul will receive the promises made to them in baptism. And then from there, we move to the cemetery to lay them to rest. And in a real way, laying our loved one to rest is our first attempt at letting them be with God. That they don't belong to us anymore. They belong to God. And placing them in the ground or in a columbarium, in a place of rest, is our first attempt at letting go and letting them be with God. This is the way the church has come to understand and to know how to walk through human grief and to face this unknown reality of death. Because we don't have all of the answers, but what we need to do in that time of death to elicit that faith of what comes after is we need to recognize, acknowledge that there's more than this material life. Celebration of life doesn't do that. We need to acknowledge that there is a judgment. And not having a funeral doesn't acknowledge that. At a funeral, we acknowledge that we have to face judgment. And then we have to acknowledge that grace and eternity exist. And a celebration of life and not having a funeral don't point our minds and our hearts in that direction. The funeral is for those who have died, and it's for those who are living still as well. We're called to live in this holy fear of death, to face that unknown, not to control it. And that's where the temptation comes towards celebrations of life or not having a funeral. It's more control. We don't face death with control. We face it with Abandon, letting ourselves be gods in this life to be with him in the next. 
And that requires an act of faith. It requires faith. Any moment in our life where we have to face something that is unknown to us requires an act of faith. And in the letter to the Hebrews, faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. See, we know Jesus has risen from the dead. It's been passed down to us from the apostles. We have faith. We believe that we will too. This is our act of faith. At the end of the day, night prayers that priests and religious pray, the last thing that we pray at the end of the day is, may the all-powerful Lord grant us a restful night and a peaceful death. It's the last prayer at the end of every day. And it's interesting, this tie between sleep and death. I once heard a priest describe how going to bed at night in a real way is an act of faith. And in being an act of faith, it's a preparation for death. Right? Just think of when you go to bed, when you go to sleep and you end your day, your day finishes and you lose consciousness. You're making an act of faith that you're going to wake up in the morning. Right? How many of us struggle to face that end of our day where maybe we keep watching TV for longer than what our bedtime was, right? Because we're avoiding the next day. We think if we stay up later that tomorrow won't come. Or maybe we struggle with an overwhelming amount of thoughts that come the moment that we lay down to go to sleep. That we become preoccupied with everything that we should be worried about that's left unfinished. And we can't abandon ourselves to that act of rest. In a little way, that's a preparation for death. If we struggle, not because of a physical reality, I know that that exists as well, but if it's something where we preoccupy ourselves past what we know our bedtime is, or if we always struggle with an onslaught of thoughts and worries when we come to bed, we need to ask for the grace of faith to abandon ourselves to that unconsciousness, to face that little death, to prepare ourselves for the end which is to come. Because as Christians, we don't avoid death. We don't try to mitigate what death is. It's a real unknown. We don't have all the answers, but we face it in faith. The faith that Jesus rose from the dead and he desires that we be like him and that I can abandon myself to that in faith and in the hope that that promise will be fulfilled. And so we follow the guidance of the church when it comes to our own death and the death of our loved ones, that the vigil prayers and the funeral mass and the rite of committal at the cemetery Help us do that. Because it's a gift for us. It's a gift in facing death. Because we don't have all the answers. It's why at a funeral mass we surround ourselves with symbols to speak to us of those promises. From the pall that reminds us of our baptism garment to the holy water 
from our baptism to the paschal candle, which is the light of Christ in the darkness, to the incense, which is the presence of God, to the Eucharist, which is our communion with God. It's all image to draw us into that mystery of death. It's a good thing for us to face. It's a good thing for us to talk about, which we don't talk about very much. Because we gladly face death as Christians in the faith that we have been given in Christ Jesus.